awesome. Are you guys happy to be here today? Come on. That was awesome. That last song they sang when they went into the hallelujah, our God reigns. Anybody else is like, yeah, like praise the Lord. Uh, we got to learn that one, right? We got to memorize that one so we can sing that one in the car on the way home on 167 at 5 o'clock at night. Hallelujah, our God reigns. Well, uh, today we're starting a three-week series. I'm so excited. Uh, this is, you know, the pastor, I, I, I preach, usually I walk through uh, books of the Bible, and I think that's really good because it forces you to just uh, walk verse by verse through what God wants to say. But then every once in a while as a pastor, you just preach what you want to preach about. And that's what I'm doing for the next three weeks. These are the things that I'm extremely, extremely passionate about. In fact, living the life, living the Christian life. There's probably nothing, no other subject, no other topic that I get more excited about than how to live the Christian life. Now, I've got to be honest, the reason it's such a passion for me is because in probably no other area has my heart been broken again and again and again as I watch my Christian brothers and sisters settle for so much less than the abundant life that God has for them. Isn't that true? Your passion comes out of what breaks your heart the most. Have you noticed that? That's where your zeal comes from, from the things that you just cannot stand. And I hate what Satan has done to the American church. And we're not going to put up with it. And we're going to teach you today, in the next three weeks, what it looks like to live the Christian life. We're going to look at what the Bible has to say. We're going to look at what Jesus has to say himself. We're hitting three main things during our time together. Next week, we're covering the fullness of the Christian life. Fullness that it was never meant to just be empty religion. It was never meant to be just mere ritual, but instead the full expression of the vitality of life that Jesus died for. The week after that, we're going to be discovering that our lives are meant to be lives of influence. Did you know that? Did you know that your life is actually quite significant in the kingdom of God? That by the grace of God that you can actually make a positive and noticeable impact in the world around you. Did you know that? Well, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that's exactly what you have. But before we go into that today, we're going to be talking about something I'm not sure even most Christians realize. But it's this. Because of Jesus, God has given us the power to live the Christian life. Everyone say power. 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 This time say it like you believe it. Power. power. Come on. Yes, that's the Christian life. A Christian life It's a life of power. Maybe I'm the only one, but has anyone else noticed how many people are trying to live in the victory of the Christian life without living by the power of the Christian life? Do you know anyone like that? Do you? I mean, just think about it. Like, you don't have to call them out by name. But do you know anyone that's trying to live the Christian life, the victory of the Christian life without the power of the Christian life? Have you ever tried to live that way? Again, don't raise your hands. You don't have to shout it out. You probably have. Remember when you tried that? Was it a little bit frustrating? Was the Christian life just a little bit overwhelming, trying to live in the victory of the Christian life without the power of the Christian life? Living without the power, that's like trying to ride a bicycle without pushing the pedals. You're just not going to go very far. It'd be like, oh, there we go. There, There it is. It'd be like trying to drive your car, but not putting any gas in it. So now you'd have to... Oh, I think we have the picture. Oh, that's a beautiful car. Be, well, that's, some of you that are more earth conscious, so it would be like trying to drive your electric car without plugging it in first. But it would be like trying to use your Vitamix blender without plugging it into the wall. I love my Vitamix blender. It's an, it was a little expensive, let's be honest. But I love my Vitamix blender. 
But without plugging it into those walls, all those cool little fruits and vegetables and it looks like kale. Leave the kale out. Who, who cares about kale? But everything else, without putting it into the wall, you're just going to have your apples kissing that blade for as long as you keep it in there until you dump out the moldy apples into the garbage. Nothing is going to happen. Ain't nothing going to happen with a bicycle, with the car or the blender without the power that those things need to accomplish what they were created to do. I'm just telling you, in the same way, without the power in your life, your life, the Christian life, it will never be what it was meant to be. You're just going to sit there with those apples and kale and little blueberries for the rest of your life till they're moldy and oldy and you're throwing them out in the garbage. We have to understand this. Again, church, I'm speaking today on something that I'm passionate about. And you're going to have to just excuse me for my passion. But it's one of the reasons I know I'm here on this earth. You were never meant to try to live the Christian life. This life of love and joy and peace. This life of obeying the commands of Jesus. This life of faithfulness to God. You were never meant to live it without power. Well, what is this power, right? Where does it come from? Simply put, it's the power of God. The power of God. That's what I want to talk about today. The power of God and how each one of us today can receive his power. But before we go any further, let's bow our heads and pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for who you are and what you're doing. Come, Lord, I just pray that you'd break through walls today. You'd break through. Us Americans, we're just so heady. Like we just are in, just stuck in our heads. And we, we just are trapped in so many ways in our thinking. God, would you just allow our hearts and our spirits to soften to your spirit today? That we wouldn't get in our own way, but we would just be open to who you are and what you'd want to do in this room today. In your wonderful name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, if you have your Bibles, smartphones, tablets, whatever you got, open them up to the book of Acts. Chapter 1 of the book of Acts. Acts is right after the four Gospels. This is kind of part two of the Gospel of Luke. Acts is incredible. This is the account of the early church. These are our brothers and sisters, the first Christians. This is, I mean, this, this one will get you going. We're going to start in chapter, four, or chapter 1, verse 4. Now, recently we celebrated Easter. Easter, by the way, was awesome. Anyone else enjoy our Easter services? I thought the team did an incredible Job, But what do we celebrate on Easter? We celebrate that Jesus, he's not in the tomb. I, I went to Jerusalem. I looked in the tomb. He's not there. It's, it's a really a good thing. He actually raised from the dead. He walked out of the tomb. But after he did that, if you remember this, he began revealing himself to his disciples. He revealed himself to others for about 40 days. Remember that? Reveals himself. And before he ascends back into heaven, he says something. In fact, he commands, he orders them. In verse 4, he says, what does he say? He says, do not depart from Jerusalem. But this is what you have to do. You have to wait for the promise of the Father for John. What John is he talking about there? Yep, John the Baptist, appropriately named. He baptized with water. But you will be baptized with what? Holy Spirit, not many days from now. Verse 8, with this baptism of the Holy Spirit, you will receive power. Everyone say power. Power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. Everyone say witnesses. witnesses. Now witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. 
I got to be honest, growing up in church, I, I knew the part about being his witnesses. I heard the preacher tell us that we were called to be his witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. I, I knew that part. I had received that part. Anyone else grow up in church? And you heard that, right? You knew that we were to be witnesses, his witnesses. But it's as if someone was afraid of or for some reason just kind of hiding that first part. But you can't have the second part without the first part. Right? We are to be his witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. But to be his witnesses, you can't avoid this, church. You must be baptized with the Holy Spirit so that you can receive power. And again, what is the power for? It is the power that every one of us needs to be his witnesses, Jesus' witnesses to the world. So he tells his disciples they will receive power to be his witnesses. And then we actually get to see what that looks like. If you have your Bible, turn the page. It's called chapter 2 of the book of Acts. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. We see this, the example of them receiving power. This is what it looks like. Verse 1 of chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. Suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Wow, what a scene, right? Sometimes you can just take that one for granted, but this is not real, like, normal Right? Do you remember what they said about these guys, these people that were baptized in the Holy Spirit? They said they must be drunk. I just think about the people in my life where I see them, I'm like, you must be drunk. They were actually drunk. <laughs> but, right? Come on. Like, we just kind of like, oh, yeah, well, that's what happens. But, People are like, wow, like what is going on? Peter hears this. Peter steps up. He addresses the crowd. He says, men of Judea, all who dwell in Jerusalem, you got to know this. Give ear, like listen to what I'm about to say. These people, they're not drunk as you suppose. It's only the third hour in the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. Now he uses scripture. He says, and in the last days it shall be, God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons, your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants, my female servants, in those days, I'm going to pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. Talk about power. Power. So this is what happens to the believers in Jerusalem. Anyone getting goosebumps yet? Right? And this is truly just... uh, it fires me up. They receive the power to be witnesses, right? To speak forth the very things of God. Check out what happens to the believers in Samaria. So keep on flipping through your Bible. You're in chapter 1, chapter 2. Now we're going to chapter 8. This is right after a pretty intense scene. This is right after Stephen was killed. Remember Stephen stoned to death. Who was approving of Stephen's death? You remember the guy? Yeah, Paul. And back then he was Saul. But Saul, he actually was approving of this death of Stephen. And when he was killed... The Bible actually tells us a great persecution broke out. You remember that part? So all of a sudden, these believers in Jerusalem, they begin to scatter. The church scatters throughout the regions of Judea, Samaria. 
Now, those who were scattered, this is what the scripture says, they, were, they went about preaching the word. Isn't that good? You know, Satan thinks with his persecution he can silence us, but actually when we scatter, we just take what we had in Jerusalem, and now we take it to Samaria or to Jaya to the ends of the earth. I just love the way that even when things are meant to harm us and to kind of quiet us and kind of shut us down, it actually just ignites the fire even more. But here they go into, uh, uh, in, into these different regions preaching the word. Philip, where does he go? He goes down to the city of Samaria. He proclaims to them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. Verse 8, so there was so much joy in the city. There's joy in the city. Verse 12, when they believed Philip as he preached good news about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized. Men and women, baptized. What, is, what kind of baptism is he talking about? A water baptism. There's joy in the city. They're hearing this good news. They're seeing miracles. And they believe in this good news that he's preaching. So they're like, let's get baptized. Baptized in the mighty name of Jesus. Verse 14. Now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God. I love it. They send kind of their heavy hitters down, don't they? Peter and John. And they come down. They pray for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. He hadn't yet fallen on any of them. They had just been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So Peter and John, they lay hands on them. What happens? They receive the Holy Spirit. So they're baptized. I want, I want you to track with me here. They're baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, baptized in water. Baptized meaning, by the way, not just sprinkled, but baptized, right? Fully immersed, like a pastor once told me. It's like dunking a cucumber in pickle juice. Fully immersed in the jar. When you're baptized into the baptism of Jesus, what is that all about? You're identifying right with Jesus. You're identifying both with his death, but hallelujah, also with his resurrection. But now Peter and John, they come in and they're praying for these people in Samaria that they might be fully immersed in the Holy Spirit. I hope you're tracking. So not just sprinkled, not just where they get a little bit of the Holy Spirit on them, but all the way, full of the Holy Spirit. So like when you get baptized in water and you come out of that pool dripping wet, that when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, you would have the Holy Spirit dripping all over you. Amen. Keep on flipping your pages. Chapter 10. So first we're in Jerusalem, then we're in Samaria, now we're in Caesarea. My wife and Emily Faber are going to be in Caesarea this week, uh, hanging out there, Caesarea by the sea. Uh, back 2,000 years ago, there was a man there named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort, a devout man who feared God with all his household, gave alms generously to the people, prayed continually to God. About the ninth hour of the day, he sees a vision, a vision of an angel of God. He comes into him and he says, Cornelius. He stares at him in terror and says, what is it, Lord? And he says to him, your prayers, your alms that have ascended as a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa. Bring one Simon who is called Peter. Remember Peter. He is lodging with one Simon a tanner whose house is by the sea. When the angel spoke to him and had departed, he calls his two servants. He calls this devout soldier. He's like, hey, guys, you need to go to Joppa. Verse 9, the next day as they were on their journey approaching the city, Peter goes up onto the housetop, sixth hour to pray. He's becoming hungry. He wants something to eat. But while they're preparing it, he falls into a trance. Verse 11, he sees the heavens open up, something like a great sheet descending. Remember this story? Being led down by the four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, Peter, rise, Peter, kill and eat. Peter said, whoa, hey, no, by no means, don't you know that I'm Jewish? 
right? I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. The voice came to him a second time. I don't think you're listening. Peter, rise, kill, and eat what God has made clean. You do not call common. This actually happens three times. And the thing was taken up once into heaven. Now, Peter, he was inwardly perplexed, as any of us, by the way, would be perplexed by that vision. And he's like, man, what is this all about? While he's thinking about this vision, the men who were sent by Cornelius, they make an inquiry for Simon's house. Where is this Simon named Peter? And so they stood at the gate. They call out to Simon. Simon, he's still pondering the vision, verse 19. And while he is, the spirit says, hey, Peter, listen, three men, they're looking for you. Rise, get up, go, accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. Peter goes down to the men. He goes, hey, at this point, he's like, man, what is going on? Because I am the one that you're looking for. What is the reason for your coming? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, upright, God-fearing man who is well-spoken by all of the Jewish nation, was directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house to hear what you have to say. So he invited them, them in to be his guest. Next day they rose. They went away with them. Actually, some of his brothers from Joppa accompanied him. Now we got kind of a group heading back. To Cornelius, to Caesarea, on the following day, they enter Caesarea. Cornelius, he's expecting them. Look at this. Cornelius had called together even more people. He calls together some of his relatives, right? Who knows who they are, but his relatives are there, some of his close friends. Peter comes in. Cornelius, what happens when Peter comes in? Cornelius falls down at his feet, and Peter's like, whoa, like, no, no, like, you got to get up. I'll never forget the first time I was in Ghana, and a guy, like, fell at my feet. I was like, no, we don't do that. Like, you got to get up, right? Stand up. I, too, am a man. Verse 27, and as he talked with him, he went in, found many persons gathered. We got quite the group now, don't we? And he said to them, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to just even visit anyone of another nation. But here's that vision. He says, But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. This is so powerful. I hope you're paying attention. So when I was sent for, I came without objection, right? He went without hesitation. I asked then, Why did you send for me? Cornelius says, Four days ago, about this hour, I was praying in my house about the ninth hour. And behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and he said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard. Your alms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa. Ask for Simon, who is called Peter. He's lodging at Simon the Tanner's house. So I sent for you at once. You have been kind enough to come. Now therefore, we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. And then the next ten verses, Peter just starts preaching the gospel. It's so good. Just starts preaching the good news of Jesus Christ. While Peter is preaching the gospel, verse 44 says, while Peter is saying these things, the Holy Spirit falls on all who are hearing the word. The believers from the circumcised who had come with Peter, they're amazed. We just, again, take this for granted, but they're amazed. Like, they can't even believe their eyes because the gift of the Holy Spirit, they're saying it's not just for the Jewish people, is it? It's now being poured out on who? On Gentiles. They're hearing them speaking in tongues. They're hearing them extolling, praising God in other languages. And Peter declares, he goes, man, like something's happening right now. Like this, this is a big deal. He goes, can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And so he commands them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Interesting, though. Previous example. 
First, they're baptized in the name of Jesus, right? Remember that? And then they're baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now these non-Jewish people, these Gentiles, they receive the Holy Spirit, baptized in the Holy Spirit, and then they're water baptized. So it kind of flips there. For us in this room, this story really matters, by the way, because it means that the salvation that Jesus brings, it's for everyone, praise the Lord, right? It's not just for the Jewish believers. I'd be in trouble. Most of us would be in trouble if salvation was just for the Jewish believer. Most of us in this room aren't Jewish, but this story is telling us it's now for everybody. It's for the Jew and the Gentile. But also, I, got, I just hope you're tracking with me. You've got to hear this. It's the same with receiving the Holy Spirit. Same with the Holy Spirit. It's not just for the Jewish believers. It's for everybody being fully immersed in the Spirit. Receiving the power of God. This will just fire you up. It is not just for the Jewish believer, but it is now for everyone. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I mean, this is good. Could it get better than this? Could it get any better? Chapter 19, verse chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 8, chapter 10. Keep on flipping. Chapter 19. Apollos, he's at Corinth. Paul, he's passing through the inland country. He comes to Ephesus. You guys remember Ephesus? We did a whole series on the book of Ephesians. Ephesus, he finds some disciples there at Ephesus. He says to them, this is a great question. He said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Well, he said, well, into what were you baptized? And they said, John's baptism. Paul said, John baptized. Remember what John's baptism was? It was a baptism of repentance. He goes, yeah, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling everyone, the people, to believe in the one who is coming after him, that is Jesus. And so on hearing this, what does Paul do? He has them baptized now in the name of Jesus, in the Lord Jesus. It's beautiful. He's like, well, let's get you baptized. By the way, if none of you have been baptized before, you know what I'd say to you? Let's get you baptized. Right? Like, yeah. Like, we, get, we know where there's a pool. We'll, we'll get you in there. It's going to be awesome. But then look what happens. That's not the end of the chapter, is it? Verse 6. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. I want to read that again. Verse 6. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. Speaking forth the things of God. This actually happened to us just a couple of years ago at, at church. There was this just awesome guy, but he was just struggling with his faith a little bit. Kind of, kind of mad at God, and, and we just walked through it. He had a lot of questions, but we just kind of walked through him a lot of that. And then finally one day, he just decided, I'm stepping out. I'm, I'm stepping out. I'm putting all my eggs in one basket, right? I'm, I'm getting baptized. I'm getting water baptized. And so on that day, he got water baptized. But also, we had a guest speaker up from California. Uh, he was ministering on healing uh, up here, and um, he was doing his thing. It was really cool. But while he was ministering, uh, this young man who was also getting water baptized that day, he comes up to me right here, and he kind of does this to me, and he goes, it's time. When he said it's time, I knew what he was talking about because we had been talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I said, yeah, it is time. And so he kneels down, and I start praying over him. He's crying. I'm crying. He's like pulling at my pant leg going, I see Jesus. I see Jesus. Like, it was awesome. These walls are breaking. It's just filled with the Spirit. That guy, to this day, has just been launched into a very effective ministry. Praise the Lord. Yeah, praise God. Now, I say all this, I read all these scriptures, I just, I make all these comments because I want to make sure, as your pastor, I, I got to make sure that every person 
who attends LifeSpring has the opportunity that verse 6 and so many of these verses describe. Right? That when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, they began to speak in tongues and prophesy. My heart, a passion. One of the reasons I, I do what I do is just that every person would have the opportunity to receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit in your life. That you would never try to live a day of the Christian life without the power of the Holy Spirit. Why? So you can be as witnesses in Judea, in Samaria, to the ends of the earth. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is an opportunity for you to receive the power of God to be His witness in this world. The power of God. Think about it. The power of God. Do you think you might need just a little bit of the power of God to be a witness in your family? To be a witness in your school, in your business. To be a witness in this community that, I don't know about you, I love my community. I think many of you do as well. And you know that we are desperate for the power of God. The power of God just to fill us up. Fill us up so we can be as witnesses in our community. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. I hope, I hope, I, I can't force it, but I just hope that as believers in Christ, we would be eager to receive this gift from heaven above. Right? The baptism is not just for special people. It's not just for super spiritual people. It's not just for crazy people. Right? It's not just for people of a certain age, a certain race, a certain religion. It's for every believer everywhere who has called on the name of Jesus to be saved. But here's the deal. You have to receive his power. You have to receive this gift. I heard someone pray earlier this morning that it is a good gift from heaven above. But you have to receive this good gift. God's not going to force it on you. You have to receive him. Now, theologically, I hope this doesn't bore you too much, but theologically in regards to the Holy Spirit, here's the deal. When you accept Jesus into your life, when you put your faith in his death and resurrection, you are saved and the Holy Spirit takes residence in you. It's a beautiful thing. Scripture is very clear about that. It's not shaky in this way. When you believe in Jesus, when you become a new creation, as as you guys know, God puts his spirit in you. Ephesians tells us this, that when you believe in Christ, he identifies you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit. I mean, it cannot get any better. This is powerful. When you say yes to Jesus, he gives you this deposit, this guarantee of the Holy Spirit saying, no, that one's mine. That one's mine. That's. By the way, that'll preach too. <laughs> but if you're a Christian here this morning, you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. But that is not the same as what happens with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. In the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it is an opportunity for the believer not just to possess him. This is so important. Not just to possess him, but to receive him. To give the Holy Spirit permission to have his way in your life. Imagine it this way. Imagine that your body is a house. So like this is the house of Dan, the house of Wayne, house of Cindy, house of Monica and Pete. This is your house. And when you put your faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit, guess what he does? He walks in. He walks into the house. But here's the deal. Even though he's in the house, like he can be hanging out on the couch, eating leftovers on the fridge. He can be, you know, hanging out in the dining room, listening to all your conversations. But without ever truly receiving him or accepting his power and influence in your life, This is so important. He can be in your house without you ever acknowledging or submitting to what he might want to say or do in that house. But see, with the baptism, two things. One, you're acknowledging that he's there in the house. But two, you're also receiving him. 
you're receiving him. You're not just giving him space. You're actually giving him rule and reign. Right? I receive you. As a citizen would receive their king, I receive you. I receive you into my house. In fact, I no longer want this to be my house. I want this to be your house. Would this body of mine be a place of your dominion, a place of your kingdom? In fact, I want this to be a temple. I want this to be a place where you would rule and reign, where your will would be done, where your commands are obeyed, a place where you are moving in supernatural and divine ways in me and through me. That's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Right, the Holy Spirit who's already within you. Now you have given him permission to flow through you. There's a great comment that Jesus makes about all of this during his earthly ministry. He says this. He goes, whoever believes in me, whoever believes in me, rivers of living water will flow from within them. The next verse it says, by this he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. The spirit described as living water, rivers. Of living water. I had a pastor tell me this once that when we receive Christ, we receive the Holy Spirit, but it's more kind of like the lake of living water. But with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the dam breaks and that living water is no longer a lake, but it begins to flow like a rushing river. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Anyone else getting goosebumps yet? I mean, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I mean, does it get any better? Than this. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Our God reigns. Hallelujah. Our God reigns. Hallelujah. Our God reigns. Isn't it just a praise just begins to well up within you when you hear this good news as a Christian? And it's just this hunger and this thirst and this desire rises up within you when you hear news like this. Could it get any better than this? Now, I hope you noticed in Scripture, and I hope you notice in your current day reality as you're hanging out with other Christians. That those who are baptized in the Spirit, they begin to speak in tongues. In fact, here's the deal. You're going to notice it for yourself. If you ask someone today to pray for you to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you're going to notice something rising up within you. It's going to be maybe a praise, a song, a shout. Our modern culture, 2018, it's a, oh, we don't even kind of know what to do with that, right? As I've prayed for people sometimes. What begins to rise up, it kind of makes people nervous or embarrassed or just kind of confused, I'd say with all that, just relax. Take a deep breath. Relax. What you are experiencing, it's not weird. It's not abnormal. It's just a normal part of receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Remember, think about what you're doing. You are giving him permission. Like the story I just told you about our bodies being a house. You are giving him permission to flow in your life. You are receiving his rule, his reign in your life. He's just showing you like he showed those early disciples that he's willing to fill you. He is even willing to fill you in the area of your tongue, even in the very words that you say. Remember, he wants to fill you with power. Power to be what? Power to be a witness to the world for him. But if you want to be a witness you got to give them everything, including your voice, including your tongue. Your tongue. This is so important. James has some things to say about your tongue, doesn't he? Remember James? This is what he says about your tongue. It corrupts the whole body. This is what he says about the tongue. He says it sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. Get real this morning. Your tongue has caused some serious damage in this world. Allow the Holy Spirit to fill what once was used for evil so that it can now be used for good. 
Allow Him to fill you up. And then you just begin to praise the Lord. Speaking in tongues, more than anything, church, it's just praise to God. Praise to the Lord. You don't have to stress about it. You don't have to worry about it. More than anything, it is just praise to God. Have you ever, you know, for those of you speaking tongues, right? You don't know what to say. You just get about the sonda, but I say, and about the sonda. You just, you just freeing. You don't have to worry about getting the words in the right way. You don't have to get the sentence just right. You don't have to get the punctuation just right. You are just freely expressing yourself to the Lord. I, I speak in tongues most uh, when I'm by myself. You notice even on a Sunday morning, I, I don't speak in tongues very much because I don't want to confuse people with tongues. But when I'm by myself in my bedroom or in my car, you know what I'm usually praying in tongues? It's when I think about my loved one who are going through horrible, terrific, terrible things. And guess what? I don't know how to pray. Have you ever been there before? Like, what could I even say in this situation? Uh, Shannon and uh, Donna were telling me about a situation this week. And I'm like, oh my goodness. And I just began to pray and intercede. You know, it was in my weakness, as Romans talks about, in my weakness that the Holy Spirit began to intercede for us. And actually, that story has a good ending as well, praise the Lord. And I don't have time to go into everything that the Bible teaches about tongues. By the way, this isn't a message on tongues. But i got to mention speaking in tongues. Because I've come across so many Christians. It's as if they are terrified, just full of fear of tongues. Just being honest, more people have left our church on the issue of tongues than any other issue. I just want to encourage you to relax with all of it. Just Relax. These early believers, they weren't terrified. Now the non-Christians, they all were like, man, you drunk. You drunk. But these early believers, they weren't terrified. They, they didn't get worked up like we all get worked up about tongues. Instead, they just received the fullness of what God desired to give to them. And they began to express and speak forth what they had received. Anyone heard of the Azusa Street Revival? Azusa Street Revival, 1906, Los Angeles area. William Seymour, he begins preaching on chapter 2 and, 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 uh, of uh, the book of Acts. And this man uh, starts speaking in tongues. And this woman begins to speak in tongues. Her name was uh, Jenny Moore. And I love what she says about that experience. Listen to it. See if it sounds familiar with anything that we've talked about so far. She says, It seemed as if a vessel broke within me and water surged up through my being, which when it reached my mouth, came out, in a torrent of speech, in languages God had given me. It seemed as if a vessel broke. Water surged up through my being, which when it reached my mouth, came out in a torrent of speech, in languages God had given me. Amen. Remember, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, again, it's a gift. It's a gift from the heart of your Father. It's a gift to you, His child. But by the way, it's not just so you can speak in tongues like, Growing up Pentecostal, it felt like speaking in tongues was kind of just a way to show off to other people. Like, no, 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 no. Speaking in tongues, I believe it is a wonderful byproduct of the baptism. But again, what is the gift even for? It's not so you can show off with tongues. God, help us. God, have mercy on us. He wants us to receive the power of His Spirit. He wants the Spirit to be unleashed in our lives. Why? So that we can be His witnesses. He wants us to be filled with His power to set us on a course of effective ministry so we can be witnesses wherever that is. Come on, wherever it is, in your workplace, in your school, in your family, wherever it might be, a witness that he would rush into you, break forth within you, that you could move in his power from morning till night. 
You know, I, I want to say this, and I don't say this to brag or to boast, but you just need to know, this is testimony time. After I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, praise the Lord, I have gotten to experience every day the Holy Spirit use me in supernatural, divine ways. Anyone know what I'm talking about when I say divine encounters? Anyone else have those divine encounters? Anyone else know what I'm talking about when I say a holy moment? That after that baptism of the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden you're just with new eyes and new ears. You're like, wow, God, you are on mission. God, you are, you are on mission and I'm a part of your mission. And God, by your spirit, lead me according to your mission. Divine encounters, holy moments. And it's not because I'm special. It's not because I'm unique. It's not even because I'm a pastor. I am a very, very normal, maybe below normal, average person. But I have given, and no one can take this away from me, I have given the Holy Spirit permission to move in power through me. God does the work, but He does His work through vessels like you and me if we give Him permission. Life spring. Let's receive His power. Let's receive his power to be effective witnesses for him. Some of you, you haven't had very many good days. Let today be the best day. I want to say this as boldly as I can. Satan is doing so much damage in our towns. I mean, he just is. He's having a heyday. It is time for the church of Jesus Christ, regardless of our denomination, it is time for us to rise up. In the power of God. I don't know about you, but like I'm just ready to have some people link arms on that one. That is time for the church of Christ, regardless of denomination, to rise up in the power of God. John Piper, he's not even a Pentecostal. This is what he says. I love John. He says, a Christian without power is a Christian who needs the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I want to say that again. This is not even a Pentecostal, but he says, a Christian without power is a Christian who needs the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He goes on to say in the same sermon that a baptism of the Holy Spirit is a conscious, uh, conscious experience of power. And maybe you've been living the Christian life, I don't know how long, maybe a couple of weeks, maybe a couple of decades But some of you know it. It's stirring up within you. You know that you need a conscious experience of power. A conscious experience of the power of God. So you don't just survive and just kind of hobble your way up into heaven. But that you would thrive. That you would thrive. That you'd live the abundant life that Jesus Christ died for. But not only that but that you would be a powerful witness to the world, that you'd be a witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth, to Edgewood, to Fife, to Milton, to Federal Way, to Puyallup. So this is what we're going to do. I'm going to close us here and I'll invite the worship team to come back up. But we're going to give us all of us, an opportunity uh, for those who want it, a time to be prayed for. That hands would be laid on you and you would receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So I just want to give us a couple of instructions on this. We'll have a team over here, um, Monica and Pete. We'll also have a team over here, myself and Debbie Kuykendall. Uh, Dave Lloydhammer and Cindy Ferris, they're going to head out now um, to the uh, side classroom. If you go out the door and you walk down this um, sidewalk, there's a side classroom. 
And we just want to give you the opportunity, for those of you that are having that hunger and that stirring up within you, uh, to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, I also want to say this. Not everyone has to be prayed for. Um, we want to force it on anyone. And if you don't want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it wouldn't even make sense for you to be prayed for. Does that make sense? Because no one can do it for you. It's something that you have to receive. Uh, so that it wouldn't even logically make sense. But if you are ready to receive, if you're ready to receive, not out of fear, not of worry, just out of the joy of having all that God would want for you. I'm going to say this as quickly as I can. I was 18. I'd grown up in the church. I loved Jesus. I adored Jesus. But then I was a senior in high school. You ever been a senior in high school? It's kind of a tough time, isn't it? And my sister, she was at Central Washington University. And she said, hey, Dan, uh, downtown Seattle, they're having this big worship thing. I I want you to come. And I went. I drove myself, by myself. Talk about a hunger. Like, I was just ticked at everything. I was like, yes, like I'm going. And I, I went up there. By the way, not a Pentecostal meeting. No one ever talked about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. No one even spoke in tongues in that meeting. But they were singing this song, This is the Air I Breathe. You know that one? And I'm lost without you. I'm just without you. And I saw like 500 other college students just crying and raising their hands. And I was like, yes, like this is it. Like, yes. And I, I raised my hands. And I started crying. And then everyone was getting on their knees. I'd never got on my knees before. I'm like, yes. And I got on my knees. And I'm praying. I'm like, yeah. Like just something welled up within me. Um, I also got, you got to hear this. I didn't speak in tongues that night. In fact, I didn't leave there thinking, wow, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. I didn't know what happened. But I'll tell you this. My life radically changed from that moment on. The next time I led worship, I had been leading worship for about a year at that point. The next Sunday, I was like, what was that? Who was that? In my prayer life, in the way I spoke, in, the, in, in, in every area of my life, it was just like, what happened? True story. I started reading the book of Acts. God is so good in His timing. And I was like, that's what happened. Like, that's what happened. And so, after reading the book of Acts, I I saw in there that you could speak in tongues. Literally, I read it, and I just started speaking in tongues. It was that simple. It wasn't complicated. So I just want to encourage you in that. You're not going to look the same for everybody. But this is what we're going to do. If you would just stand with me, I want to pray for us. We're going to kind of lead us into this next time. I'd encourage you as well. Like, this isn't a time to be just talking to me or trying to get a hold of me or get a hold of my attention. Like, this is a time for prayer. If you need to talk, go ahead and talk in the lobby after we're done. Maybe some of you just want to kind of hang out as the worship team is playing and singing. Uh, But for the rest of us, yeah, again, outside, if you want a little bit more time to maybe ask some questions, maybe you have those types of things, or maybe you just want to be able to rest and not feel rushed into the next service, go out into that room over there. Me and Monica will be here. Uh, Debbie and I will be over here. Please be considerate of those who are um, asking for prayer. But let's pray. Lord, we just invite your spirit here, knowing that you're here, but we just invite more just in my heart, Lord, any walls that we've put up, any ways that we have tried to hinder you, Lord, any way that we have tried to kind of just smother your spirit, any way that we've tried to put out the fire, we just pray right now that you would 
just speak your power over those areas, that those walls would begin to fall down. And that we would be right now just heading into a a moment, a, 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 a time of expectation and anticipation of what your spirit would want to do in us and through us. And I just pray for anyone, Lord, that has that heart that just wants all that you would have for them, every gift that you would want to give them. I I just pray, Lord, that today would be the day that they wouldn't have to stress about it or worry about it, but they could just trust. They could just trust that you're a good God and you don't hide your gifts from us. You are so willing and ready to give us uh, good gifts from heaven above. And so I just pray over this time, Lord, that there would even be a safety in this time, that anything of evil, anything of the devil, any person in here who would try to disrupt uh, what you're wanting to do in this place, that you would shut their mouths in the mighty name of Jesus. That, Lord, this would be a holy place full of your spirit, a holy place where you can lead us into effective ministry, where you can fill us with your power to be your witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. In your wonderful name we pray. Amen. Thank you, guys.